0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
1: Who's not a fan of Calvin and Hobbes, the greatest comic strip in the history of newspapers? It's what we're going to be starting with, in a way, on Today in Ohio, the news podcast discussion from Cleveland.com and The Plain Dealer. Chris Quinn. I'm here with Lisa Garvin, Layla Atassi, and Laura Johnston, and Lisa gets to talk about the author of Calvin and Hobbes. We just don't get to talk about things like that on a news podcast discussion, but Northeast Ohio's very own Bill Waterson is making news with a new book. Lisa, it's not about Calvin and Hobbes. What's it about?
2: Yeah, this is very exciting for Calvin and Hobbes fans, even though it's not about Calvin and Hobbes, but its author, Bill Watterson, has a new book coming out October 10th. It's called The Mysteries, and it's illustrated by John Cash. This has been five years in the making, and according to the distributor, Simon & Schuster, they say it's a fable about what lies beyond human understanding. Apparently, the plot Uh, revolves around an old kingdom that's undergoing calamities, sends a knight to investigate, and then the knight returns battered and beaten years later. And that's about all we know about the book. Um, Bill Watterson is a Chagrin Falls native. He is notoriously reclusive and rarely grants interviews. As we know, Calvin and Hobbes, a beloved strip, ran for only 10 years. I thought it was a lot longer. Started in 85 and then ended in 95 quite and suddenly, I mean, he suddenly decided he was done and then stopped writing. Um, the illustrator, John Cash, said in a response to an email we sent for an interview request, he says, "I'm really not aware of any interviews being done before the book release, so this is everyone's mum on this until the book comes out, October 10th."
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's very cool. He's Northeast Ohio's guy. We we've had a, at points interviews with him, and people constantly come to us to license photos and things. Actually somebody in our newsroom was suggesting yesterday we got to go through all the Sun newspaper microfilm because for a while we contracted with him to draw cartoons for us
2: and wow. you can
1: make a lot of money on a book about that. We still have the rights to it. Uh, but it's it's very very exciting that he's doing it. He is I think many people regard Calvin and Hobbes as the greatest comic ever when we had the Dilbert issue earlier this year and replaced it with Crabgrass I compared Crabgrass a bit to Calvin and Hobbes. It has mm-hmm. some of the same spirit. And people came out of the woodwork to tell me how much they adored uh, Calvin and Hobbes. So uh, we have another kind of newspaper comic news story in Northeast Ohio. The authors of Pearls Before Swine, which is probably the best comic strip going today.
2: Uh, yeah, Stephen Pastis.
3: He's
1: coming to Akron. And uh, Pete Shikarian did an interview with him that we published, I believe, yesterday. Right, Laura?
3: I believe so. Yeah,
1: so he's going to be in Akron on the 15th, signing a book that has nothing to do with his comic strip at Barnes & Noble. I think it's Barnes & Noble, so it's pretty exciting comics news. We'll have to see what Bill Watterson's book is. I know a lot of people will want to see it. The presence of Bill Watterson is always a high point. You're listening to Today in Ohio. Okay, Ohio, it's looking more and more like we'll vote on a new and hopefully effective way to get rid of gerrymandering. Laura, what's the big news on this front?
3: Well, they can finally start collecting petitions to, sorry, signatures on a petition to get it on the ballot for next year. And that's because Attorney Dave Yost, Attorney General Dave Yost gave his okay on Monday to the language that's going to appear on the petition's that the group will circulate. They have to get a whole lot of signatures to make this happen, 413,000 valid voter signatures from around the state. But before they even do that, they have to go through Frank LaRose, which I can't wait for the drama to unfold there. Because remember, with Yost, it took three different tries to get the summary language approved. So it's got to go through the ballot board, of which Frank LaRose is a part. And it has to be certified as one amendment rather than several. If it has to go as several they have to get 413,000 for each of them which would be obviously a major setback but citizens not politicians that's the group that is trying to get this new redistricting commission they want it to be 15 regular people instead of seven politicians say they tried to carefully write their proposal to avoid trouble with the ballot board but are prepared to defend the measure legally if needed
1: well Frank LaRose always does the wrong thing, so he'll probably do the wrong thing. But let's face it: in a battle between Frank LaRose and Maureen O'Connor, who do you think has the brain power to win? I, I, he can play his games. They'll go to court, and if he plays those games, he'll be defeated. Uh, but but it's a big step. I mean, we I need.
3: I to... do feel like it's weighted on the Frank LaRose side, though. Like if we're looking at the balance of scale, I mean, the way that the Republicans own every. You know, how Yeah,
1: I don't know. Supreme I yeah, Court. See. But issue one, I think, did get people who have brain power to realize we're not as weighted as Frank LaRose would have you believe. And I think the Supreme Court justices who have to run for reelection see that as well. If he does something that violates what the constitutional issues are, And Maureen O'Connor and her team go to court. They'll beat him. I mean, the the rule of law will prevail here. It's a single issue. It was a single issue when we changed it last time. It's a single issue this time, no matter how many antics Frank LaRose wants to play in his bid to get campaign donations in what will be his failed attempt to run for the U.S. Senate.
3: Yes. Do you want to talk about Missouri, too? And how it could offer a roadmap for sure. Ohio? Okay, yeah. so they had eight, 2018 and 2020 campaigns in Missouri. That's a former swing state that's drifted to the political right. And they now they hired um, Missouri people. Sean Soender Nicholson, he's directing the Citizens Not Politicians campaign. He got it passed, the redistricting reform in Missouri in 2018. And then he defended it in 2020 when they took it away. But So obviously he's learned to deal with this a Republican state, and and appealing to the voters there.
1: Look, the last reform passed by more than 70%. If this is on the ballot, it's going to pass no matter how many games people who are against it try to play. Taking this out of the hands of elected officials is the only way to get true representation in Ohio, and the voters of Ohio are going to know that. You're listening to Today in Ohio. What's your time for when you honk your horn when the light turns green and the person in front of you doesn't move? Mine's about a millisecond. Thursday is a big day in Ohio for any driver who's ever been behind somebody at a red light who misses the green light because they are texting. Layla, what's significant about Thursday?
4: Thursday is when the penalties kick in for texting or using your phone while driving. In April of this year, the, the new state law took effect that gave law enforcement officers authority to initiate traffic stops if they see drivers using their phone handheld previously they couldn't pull a driver over just because they were they were committing some phone related offense about 1300 ohio drivers received warnings rather than fines during the grace period that ends on thursday after that offenders are going to face up to 150 fifty dollar fine for the first violation 250 for the second and 500 plus possible license suspension for the third offense and and it's about time I think apparently 9 people a day die on account of drivers who are distracted by their their phones. So uh this this was a long time in the making.
1: There's nothing more maddening. I wish there was a traffic camera at every intersection that took pictures of people who were first in line and if they have their phone in their hand <laughs> they get a $1000 ticket. It's the well, most-
3: but well you <laughs> know, if you're stopped you can use yeah. your phone under this I'm law. I'm sorry
4: to say yeah, I think Chris, I think that example is an exemption cuz the if- law.
1: Even if the light turns green?
4: Well, if you're not if you're not moving yet, as soon as you start moving, I think you have to put it down. But it it's so the law prohibits using a phone or holding or physically supporting it with any part of your body, but there are exemptions for emergencies or when you're stopped in traffic.
3: Right. So, so the, as long as person, you're the one not going, you're
4: fine. <laughs> yeah, right.
2: So so you can wow, talk that's on a the big f- loophole. I know it is. Yeah. Because people can sit at a, at a green light and finish their text or whatever they were doing while everyone behind them is oh, furious.
1: It's the most maddening thing you see on the road. And on Opportunity Parkway, which I drive a lot, there's a lot of people who do that. and You just want to scream. I mean, really, it's when you wish you had a rocket launcher on the top of your car.
4: <laughs> I guess <laughs> since since there's a loophole, you're going
3: to have to use the rocket
4: launcher.
3: Yeah. <laughs> right. Like a bullhorn from his car that'll be like, put down your phone.
1: Yeah. I, w- I wonder how many people get tickets for this. The worry that people have about this, of course, is it'll be used to target non-white people who are driving because that's traditionally yeah. what police have done.
4: Hopefully. Well, in law enforcement, as part of this this law, will have to submit annual data to to lawmakers um, on the, the violations that they're, the tickets that they're writing, in, which will include the offender's race to make sure that cops don't abuse this as an excuse for racial profiling. Hopefully that will be... Deterrent enough from abuse uh, among law enforcement.
1: I hope there's something in there though that penalizes police if they don't record it, because that's the easiest way to get around that is just to that's leave it true. off. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're listening to Today in Ohio. I wish we could have an honest debate about legalized marijuana in <laughs> Ohio. What it feels like right now is the people who are against legalizing it are pulling all their arguments right out of reefer madness, and the number of organizations that have lined up against it is daunting. Are all these people just out of touch with the wishes of Ohioans who live here? Lisa, who's the latest to jump on this anti bandwagon?
2: Three of Ohio's largest business groups are now on record as opposing Issue 2. They are the Ohio Chamber of Commerce, the Ohio Business Roundtable, and the Ohio Manufacturers Association. Collectively, their concerns about Issue 2 are about workplace safety, increased absenteeism by workers who use marijuana, and the difficulty in finding employees who can pass a pre-employment drug test. So Tom Herron, uh, who's the attorney for this uh, referendum, says, that this is just reefer madness scare tactics. He says it's not the reality in states that have legalized marijuana. He says, yes, somebody high on pot is impaired, but so is somebody drinking a beer and you can't be drunk at work either. So available studies are inconclusive, sometimes conflicting, and they're a little bit messy. And that's part of why, you know, you know, federal, there's not a lot of federal dollars going to research right now because it's a Controlled substance. So, opponents are also worried, and this bothers me. Opponents are also looking at off the clock marijuana use. They're afraid that, you know, that if they, you know, tie one on the night before or smoke a joint, that they're going to be still affected the next day. But as I said, studies don't really know when the moment of impairment stops after you smoke marijuana.
1: Well, there's two things about this that I find troubling. One is Michigan. Michigan legalized it a few years back, and we have not seen the ramifications these folks are talking about in huge, a huge way. It's not like Michigan is clamoring for workers in greater numbers than Ohio is. And that's just kind of, you know, it it seems like it's false, and the other thing is what you said, where they're talking about oh, if they use it, they're going to tie one on, and that is a direct parallel to alcohol. What what is the difference? Mm-hmm. They, plus, so many people are using it already that they are they would already be seeing these ramifications. I mean, that there is no end of people that are using marijuana now, some legally with medical marijuana and some not. I, I just. That we don't have research to know mm-hmm. what the long term ramifications are. You know, I mean, when did Colorado legalize it? It's not that long ago, it's just the number of years. So so they don't know. And yet they're coming out in huge numbers. And it really goes against what appears to be the wishes of Ohioans.
2: Well, and the, the chamber CEO, Steve Stivers, he's saying, well, why create a new risk if you don't have to? And he's complained that some Ohio businesses have actually stopped testing for THC in pre-employment, you know, interviews because they just they most of them fail, he says, or many fail. And then he said, quote, there's no upside for business that I can see from issue 2. I I
1: really feel like there's a generational divide here. The the younger people are the more they see THC the, the ingredient in marijuana as a more healthful alternative to alcohol, which every study that comes out now says you shouldn't be drinking it. And the older generation, which likes its beer and its wine, it's like, yeah, we don't, why, why should we legalize something else? You know, why, why is making something else okay? But it, there's an unfairness there. I mean, it's a generational divide. If younger people are saying, yeah, I don't want to drink your alcohol because it's dangerous for me, it'll give me cancer, I'd rather do this. How do you say no to that?
2: Right, exactly. And, you know, Doug Berman, this is an interesting point. He's with the Drug Enforcement and Policy Center at Ohio State University. He says, there is no culturally accepted idea of what responsible marijuana use looks like, while alcohol has been ingrained in our culture for over 100 years. And and that's a good point. We have to figure out, you know, what is responsible marijuana use?
1: Right. This is That's the danger of of doing this, although I don't know, 27 states have, so it's already, you know, the, the cart's out of the barn, but it's, we're going to find out if this is legalized over the next 20 years, we'll see what, what it becomes, what, what normalization is like. But I just, I, it, it's, one of those where the groups coming out are really painting a dire, dire future And anybody looks at states that have legalized it aren't seeing that. So why not be more moderate? If you want to oppose it, talk about it in more moderate terms instead of trying
0: to scare the hell out of people. You're listening to Today in Ohio. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point-of-sale system you can trust, or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory— Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to Shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's Shopify.com slash system.
1: Recognizing abortion as a right is on the November ballot in Ohio to counter the legislature's draconian six week ban. Or right, what are the latest numbers for abortions in Ohio?
3: They just keep dropping another 15% in the last year. Obviously, there's a whole lot of questions about what was legal in that year and courts were making decisions. But this is a downward slide that began in the year 2000. And then we really kind of fell off the cliff in 2022. Obviously, this comes as we prepare to vote on issue one on abortion rights. But about 18,500 um abortions were reported in Ohio for 2022. That includes by 17,200 by women who lived in Ohio at the time. So that's 93%. The rate was 7.8 per 1,000 resident women ages 15 to 44 years old. And that's a decline from 2021. Uh, But two thirds of these abortions involved pregnancies of less than nine weeks. They didn't have any breakdown for the less than six weeks, which is where the heartbeat ban would kick in.
1: Okay. You're listening to Today in Ohio. One of the bigger names in Northeast Ohio education has taken a big fall from grace. Layla, who is it and what happened? And I should note that our original story had his affiliation wrong. He's with the foundation and not the school.
4: That's true. Yes. It's John Zitzner. And he is um, in charge of the the Friends of Breakthrough Schools. Breakthrough Schools is a Cleveland-based charter school um, system. He was arrested by Westlake police as part of a human trafficking crackdown. He's one of 160 people arrested statewide in a sting that the Northeast Ohio Human Trafficking Task Force refers to as Operation Buyer's Remorse, which is just a wretched name for this. But Zitzner was charged with engaging in prostitution, which is a first-degree misdemeanor. Westlake police said undercover officers posted an advertisement online and Zitzner responded and agreed to pay $60 for sex. Then the undercover officers instructed Zitzner to meet them at a hotel room on Clemens Road and he was arrested there. So he agreed to let police search his phone in his car and they confiscated $377 and an iPhone. He resigned from from his uh, post at at the Friends of Breakthrough Schools on Friday and he was replaced by Susan Erdl who uh, has run the day-to-day operations there there for the past 12 years. But overall, this prostitution crackdown netted a a whole lot of people. Uh, Some of them were uh, nurses, educators, retirees, former law enforcement officers and delivery drivers. The youngest was 17 years old, the oldest was 84. And 104 survivors of human trafficking were also provided services from healthcare care and social service organizations. You know, but- when I
1: started in this business a long time ago, prostitutions things were rampant and it was just purely misdemeanor prostitutions things. And over time, the media covered them less and less because it's a misdemeanor and it's a crime as old as the, the human condition. We now call it human trafficking to yeah. make it sound like this mm-hmm. huge problem. This is not somebody that Zittner thought was in bondage, right? He, mm-hmm. it, it was billed as somebody that was basically selling sex, an adult, not a kid. He's in a right. position where he's got to be an upstanding person and he shouldn't do this kind of stuff because it trashes his organization. But it really feels like law enforcement has changed the wording on this to make it sound much scarier than what it always has been since the beginning of time which is people selling sex.
2: I'm so glad you brought that up Chris because yeah they're conflating human trafficking which is taking people against their will and forcing them into prostitution and yes that happens but there are a lot of prostitutes out there that are in the business you know of their own you know volition. Yeah. I think it's it's dangerous to conflate prostitution with human trafficking. I, I, I don't think they're quite the same.
1: They're not. They, I mean and that that that's just doesn't seem right. And 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 yet, you know so he's held up as a guy who was propagating human trafficking which that's not really what happened here. It was basically mm-hmm. you know a transaction. He was a john. <laughs> right, right. And they get the look, we're talking about it so maybe we're part of the problem. But this, this just doesn't feel like the human trafficking, the people taken against their will and exploited. There are a lot of women that decide, I'm going to go out and make some money this way. Yes, it's a crime, but it's, it's very different than kidnapping. Well, there's no indication that they had led him to believe this was somebody that was against their will, right?
4: No, no, that's not. The story doesn't indicate that, and, and nor does it suggest that this was a child or a minor of any kind. Um, there were a couple people involved in, who were arrested who, who I think that was the case, but he, he doesn't seem to have been uh, one of those. I think your take on it sounds pretty correct.
1: And he's a dope, right? Because he had a position where he's a leader for children, and you shouldn't do these kinds of things when you hold the position of leadership in the community, and now he's trashed his reputation. You are listening to Today in Ohio. Residents of Cuyahoga County, be warned, a process is about to start that could raise your taxes. Lisa, what is it?
2: Yeah, and it most likely will. And I just had new roof and new siding, so God knows what they're going to th- value my house at now. But yeah, Cuyahoga County is currently undergoing a review of the 522,000 commercial residential and other properties, and they'll be doing this until April 30th of next year. The state law does mandate a reassessment every six years, and this is a different than the every three years. So this one calls for licensed appraisers to actually view properties in person, and they'll be be out and about. They will have a county issued photo ID and they will have signs in their front and rear car windows letting you know who they are, not somebody lurking outside your house. But the county also does appraisals every three years, but that's much less intensive and it's based on property sale prices. So the county must notify owners if their value has changed at least 30 days before the tax bills go out. Um, and the last appraisal, which is a three-year appraisal in 2021, values increased by 16% across Cuyahoga County.
1: We've carried a lot of stories the last few years about the the increase in home sales. I think they finally went down in a recent month, but it had been a lot of months where it was going up. So the bet is there's going to be a whole lot of properties that go up in value. And then comes the screaming, right? They all go to the boards of revision to get them dropped and this, this could be pretty ugly. They actually go out and look at the houses this time. They actually drive through the neighborhoods and That's see correct. what they can see. Yeah, it's,
2: mm-hmm. And, you know, you can contest, as you said, and but that you can't start contesting until January 1st of 2025. And then you have until the end of March to do so.
1: What we don't know, I don't believe, is whether they'll have the informal process. In some of the recent cases of this, they didn't make you go to the Board of Revision. There were so many people that were outraged by the change that they created an informal process first for a quick review. And then if the decision stayed, people could make the formal appeal. They did not, Laura, I don't believe we did a story, right? They did not do that in the last three-year one. They didn't allow anybody Correct. to do that. And anything. I
3: think it was a timing thing and they think blamed COVID. I mean, I don't think we can blame COVID for things anymore like that. So hopefully <laughs> they will have the... The low key one where you go in and you present your evidence rather than have to be a more legal procedure through the boards of revision. And it's just so funny, like this is pretty low key now they're going to be doing it. But, you know, a decade ago, this was such a big deal in Cuyahoga County. I guess it was 15 years ago because of all the corruption. So I'm, I'm glad that people have faith in the system and that it's, <laughs> we don't have a well, board of revision with a huge backup anymore.
1: Let's see how much faith you and Layla have in the system <laughs> right. with the construction projects you did last year. Yeah,
3: I am going to be paying a whole lot more. You're
1: Texas. both going up. It's yeah. just a matter of how much cha-ching when we'll see, I guess we'll start seeing the results of this next year, right? That's the way it works.
2: Yeah, correct. They have until the end of April to finish this assessment. So I don't know if they release them at the end of the assessment or during, I'm not really sure.
3: Yeah, I I think they're going to wait till they're all done. I mean, they have something like 500,000 properties. Yeah, 522,000. Yeah, and they got to do all the commercial too. So this is, it's not a quick system.
1: And they look at building permits and they know exactly what you spent. (laughs) You're listening to Today in Ohio. What is the plan for the new park going atop Irish Town Bend after it is fortified to keep it from collapsing into the Cuyahoga River? Laura, we've talked about this project a lot because there was a danger. It would collapse into the river and all the commerce. But one of the beauties of this is we can turn it into something that provides access to the lake or riverfront.
3: This looks so cool if you look at the renderings and Steve Litt's story. Nothing is final yet, but planners are presenting the latest designs on October 6th to the Planning and Landmarks Commission of Cleveland. So they're seeking final conceptual approval. for. So those are the pretty pictures and the big picture ideas. So we're talking about a plan that includes bike paths, sport courts, me- playgrounds, meadows, staircases, a waterfront promenade, a healing garden, a grilling area, an amphitheater, and a pond, all on 25 acres of this vacant land that slopes down to the river. So when it's done, you could safely walk down the stairs from West 25th Street down 100 feet of hillside and trails and staircases to this promenade where they have a landscape with native trees, grasses and shrubs, and look at sweeping views of the downtown skyline. Plus it's going to connect all sorts of ways to the to Edgewater Park to the Emerald Necklace from Cleveland M- Metro Parks, the Red Line Greenway, and the Towpath Trail. And they might have a cafe. So it sounds really cool.
1: Yeah, it's going to provide greater access. I mean, we're getting more and more access to our natural assets. It's a great thing. And when
3: you think about even all the improvements they've made with the paths and, you know, with the flats, there's no playgrounds for kids. Like, it's just, you know, look at the vistas and walk through and I'm glad for all the connections. But this is like a place with things to do at it. I think that's going to be really nice.
2: I'm not sure why you'd want to put a pond next to a river, but
3: <laughs> it might, be, it might
2: have to happen because of They might need it for drainage and, to yeah, keep that yeah. from
1: getting waterlogged. Because that's a pretty soggy. steep
2: slope. I mean, I, 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 that's one of my favorite places to walk is that part of the trail right there at the Columbus Street lift bridge. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they smooth out that slope.
3: I'd much rather have a retention pond than the overflow sewage pipe. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay, You're listening to Today in Ohio. Layla, you get the fun one. The city of Parma, which used to be the butt of jokes because of the pink flamingo figures people put on their lawns, appears ready to embrace them. What's the new proposal?
4: Well, this is a classic case of uh, if you can't beat them, join them. And and I am here for it. I love this. I love this idea. State Representative Sean Brennan, who's a former Parma City Council president, is raising money to erect a seven-foot-tall, 150-pound pink flamingo next to the script parma sign in anthony Zelinsky park on day drive he wants to raise the two thousand dollars for the project by thanksgiving so it'll be done by spring and the installation will be done by metal zoo which is a well-known california-based metal art design company the city of parma has agreed to pour the concrete pad that they need but I mean, now, first of all, it's hilarious to me that they have a script Parmicide. <laughs> I, lo- I love that they just appropriated that idea from Cleveland and they're, you know, attempting to make it just as cool. But I, I also love this flamingo idea. I mean, Brennan says that they're leaning into the stereotype of parmesians as lovers of campy yard art it's certainly not the worst thing to be associated with right are
1: they gonna gonna put it in white socks
4: (laughs) right white socks and black brogans right (laughs) right um and and brett but brendan says he got the idea from madison wisconsin which apparently declared the plastic pink flamingo to be the official city bird and madison's pretty cool yeah so I love this.
3: I think it's great. I, I mean, think what, so, too. So right? fun. And Lorraine, I was there recently. They have their own sign, too, looking out over the harbor. So mm. pretty soon, every Northeast Ohio is going to have their own script <laughs> sign. And you could spend an entire day going around and taking your photo ops.
4: I mean, I think if you embrace something like this that's always been kind of the butt of a joke, then it it loses its power as a, uh, as a as a source of mockery,
3: right? Yeah, it, I think it's great.
1: If you say so. You're listening to Today in Ohio. (laughs) I guess tomorrow we'll have to talk about the Catholic Church again. With the Pope coming out saying he believes we should bless the unions of LGBTQ people, it really puts the recent Catholic diocese policy in Cleveland into the hot seat again. Right. So all those people
3: that said this is exactly the way it's always been and this is nothing new, it's like, who do you... Yeah. (laughs) It's like, where are you getting your your Catholic doctrine from.
1: Yeah, I mean, if the Pope is saying one thing and the Bishop is saying another, where do people go? It's something we'll have to examine. Something to look forward to. That's it for the Tuesday episode. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks, Layla. Thanks, Laura. Thank you to everybody who takes the time to listen to this podcast. We will return on Wednesday.